Hello and welcome to New Tricks, the weekly podcast from New Dog PR. I'm Emily Newman. And I'm Catherine Doggall. This podcast is a chance to mull over the current goings on in hotel land, chat to some pleasant folk about things they know and provide some interest for your ears. We've brought our journalism and communication experience together with our sector knowledge and contacts to create a strategic PR company which understands investing in hotels and the many roles within them. This week we're talking to David Bailey, Principal at David J. Bailey Limited and Advisor to Resident Hotels. As the sector takes the chance to reboot, we mull over whether an energetic push can help it sell the belief that people really are key to a working population which has fallen out of love with hospitality. And welcome to episode, I think we realised we're on 22, lucky 22, um, episode 22, New Tricks, which is the weekly, although not weekly at the moment, but weekly podcast from New Dog PR. Um, this week, we are joined by, hang on, I've got, to, I've got to read out all his titles. He's got many, he's got many, he's got many. Bear with me, caller. Okay, we are joined by, wait for it, it's going to be good. <clears throat> David J. Bailey. So he is principal of David J. Bailey Limited, consultant, senior advisor to CBO Hotels and brand ambassador, Hot Stats. I hope there's a sash or something that comes with all of these titles. David Bailey, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Lovely to see see you. Oh, sorry. Lovely to see you. We are, well, you, we, this, we the, see you. It's we just that it's just the listening public is denied. Yes. So, and that I think speaks to the pandemic itself. Doesn't it, it does. We can't lovely, to lovely to join you, you, Emily. There you are. Lovely to hear your voices. Well, it's very nice to hear your voice too. And and Catherine, how are you? And how's Paris? How's Spuddy? How's MS shelves? Give us an update. Uh, I am well, thank you very much. The last questions. Um, Spuddy is well. He's currently resting after a brief rampage um, and he'll be done now for five hours. And the M&S shelves are, as ever, absolutely pitiful. Um, I must go there later and see what it is that they don't have this week, which is everything, because now it is June after Brexit and we still don't have milk um, or anything else. Um, occasionally chickens now keep coming through nothing chilled meats obviously all stuck in Ireland um, and uh, but slowly but surely other things from the local area are creeping in so Swiss chocolate suddenly very under a big banner saying new um, to Switzerland perhaps not new to the Swiss new to okay, we'll go with that <laughs> new to M&S um, and other things from other lands so some French things it's not looking as M&S-y as you would suspect, but presumably the M&S franchisees have gone, you know what, we need to sell some stuff um, and now is the time. This, exactly. Is, is it getting progressive? Is it, is it following a trajectory of getting worse? It's go, it got, it was bad and then we got stuffing. Oh, um, I remember the stuffing. Which is better because we had to stop making our own stuffing, which puts all a very difficult Mar Ingalls from Little House in the Prairie situation. Um, now we have stuffing, stuffing is fine, but now we've reached a plateau of stuff, um, which is to say cheese, yes. Um, most other things, no. Baked beans, yes. Pep, um, that Percy Pig business, always. In fact, we always had that. It's just that no one in France eats them. So, <laughs> so I think it's the same ones. Um, and uh, alcohol, questionable. Um, so, yes, it's, it's not looking good. To, um, to seamlessly link back to a previous episode when um, the delightful Steve Lowey joined us and we spent a lot of time talking about Anthony Bourdain and his travels. I, I spent 
the regular listeners will may have noticed a slightly nasal tone to my current uh, voice, which is because I have a cold. And um, so while convalescing over the weekend, I enjoyed very many of Anthony Bourdain's um, travels to the unknown. And, Ooh, and, lovely. and there was there wasn't a lot of Percy Pig in the, any in any of those no, those episodes, no. but um, you know, t- straight to the heart of the culinary center of the universe. And of course, because it was it was Anthony Bourdain Day last week. It, it was yes, what would have been his sixty fifth birthday, I believe. Anyway, David, <laughs> how are you, and what biscuits are you eating these days? Well, try, well, I'm I'm well, thank you. All things considered, yeah, um, not 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 too bad. Well, biscuits, I I, I try and avoid. You know, you, you've got to think about keep maintaining that svelte like figure. True, more, it's very true. Which mm. which are a challenge, but I guess um, if I was eating a biscuit, I, my go to would be a a shortbread. I would say oh, classic, very wise, good, very wise, good mm. shortbread. Yes, you cannot go wrong. In in the finger shape, or sort of in a fan, or are you one of these people who have them in different shapes and then puts chocolate on them? Or those assortment boxes are nice, but then it becomes a challenge as to which one do you go for. If you're limiting consumption, then you it becomes a bit of a dilemma. So I, I guess the, the finger shape one does does eliminate all of that, but I just it just needs to be a good quality one. Because I think they they can be quite variable, but a good quality shortbread does take some beating. Yeah, one that's sort of ninety five percent butter. Mm. I feel some sort of taste coming on potentially <laughs> we could do that for the cause couldn't we yeah i couldn't say a double tree cookie because that would be kind of too um too kind of brand specific and i did have one of those once actually which was a meal in itself they are astonishing size 380 calories or something it was mm. it, yes i was sent a, i was sent a tin of them once mm. um and it was yeah happy time and of course, I had to stay in a double tree, and they produce it out of the drawer, yeah. and like sort of like Jim will fix it. But and then it becomes a bit weird because they're like, "Would you like this warm cookie?" No, I. What do you, <laughs> yes, but no. But why have you got a warm drawer? Who designed the warm drawer? And so on. <laughs> um. So so as we've neatly segued into the sector and warm drawers and mm. cookies and things, <laughs> thanks very much, David. Um. Let's talk about the summer. Um. And let's talk about the summer. So David and I are here in the UK. Catherine is in Paris. I suspect we're going to have slightly different summers. Um. David, what do you um give us some sort of thoughts around how you think the summer is going to look for us folk on this fair slash plague island that we are on? Oh, good question. I think, well, I mean, it, 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 staycation is all the talk, isn't it? I mean, how many times have we heard that? I think for many folk, it becomes quite challenging as to just, just what to do, either what they can do or what they feel, you know, feel disposed to do. So um, I think provided that the great British weather plays its part, I think um, there could be a very good domestic summer in some lovely parts of the country. And I guess it's a it's a great opportunity for for those for those hotels that perhaps in the past have been been overlooked and resort areas that hitherto not often mentioned places will uh, live enjoying some some fantastic time. Um, how that will you know continue remains to be seen. But uh, I think for a lot of people, they just won't want to to risk going abroad either because of a enduring health perception or even just risk the aggro and sort of stress and disruption that that could go with that. So I think there's a you know some very profound drivers to make people stay at home, and then it becomes a question of availability as to where you want to go, um, which will be the the next challenge. Yeah, nothing and cost presumably. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but you know, we're seeing we're seeing Premier Inn hotels pop up in national parks, um, which you know hitherto um, would not have happened. Perhaps you know, I guess they're infilling their, their estate. Uh, but there are resort operators out there that have done 
have done very well. Um, you know, it's been a most extreme and unusual situation we've we, we've gone through that has perhaps uh, turned conventional hotel recessionary orthodoxy on its head. Do you think the um, do you think there'll be a sort of lasting footprint of um, UK holidays within the kind of agenda of UK folk, or do you think as soon as uh, as soon as it's you know it's not going to cost you an extra 500 quid and you won't have to stay at home for two weeks afterwards um, and international travel is back. Do you think the sort of the, the UK staycation will go the way of the dodo? No, I don't think it'll go, go the way of the dodo at, at all, really. Um, and I think in all of these things, ultimately, we, we will settle on a on a new balance of, of some description um, because you can you can link other other factors that will influence choice. So, you know, we've had lockdown, we've had travel restrictions, which, you know, very firmly dictate where you can and can't go. There's, there's, an, there's an ever-growing focus on environmental impact, personal impact. And so I think people do think about their carbon footprint and where they're going to. Um, and I think so that, that obviously plays to a, to a domestic setting. I think, uh, you know, we do have a fantastic... You know, Great British Isles, where there are some wonderful places. And I think when the weather is fine, you know, you'd be hard pressed to find some some better places. So I think there are some wonderful places either to discover for the first time or to revisit. Um, and I think a lot of folk that might have had you know memorable holidays from their childhood in certain areas, as they perhaps start families or or, or whatever, will, will return to those areas. So I think you know that that combined with these destinations effectively marketing themselves. I think um, it, it will remain a very live and um, you know, dynamic part of the market. But equally, there are people out there who must have sun. And I, I personally can't really cope particularly well in the sun. My, my skin type just burns very quickly. So for me, I'm, I'm not, not or never have been a sun worshipper. But there are other folk out there that you know, they just want that guaranteed sunshine. And sadly, we, we can't offer that. Uh, but equally, we're very appealing for domestic folk and we have some fantastic appeal to international visitors when they're allowed to come in so i'm I'm very optimistic about the prospects provided you know it's all the usual stuff provided you've got a good product you're well run you give a good experience you give good value all the sorts of things you need to do to get a good positive endorsement and, and word of mouth recommendation do you think there's enough investment coming into the uk to sustain that because at the moment there there are there are some great hotel products Obviously, uh, including premier inns in, in national parks, clearly. Um, <clears throat> but there is an awful lot of, of of non-brilliant product, which a lot of people are having to settle for and overpay for this summer. It seems, and are happy to get away. It's you know, it's a one-hit horror, um, and that's fine because it's holiday, and it will be great because it's that's the way it is. But in the future, they're thinking, well, you know, I'm just going to go somewhere where it's more advantageously priced, and probably slightly better quality, and we all hear a lot about the under-demolished mid-market and that kind of thing. But do you think that this will create the kind of sustained investment that will be required to lift the country's, you know, hotel offering in general to sustain that. Ooh, maybe it will stay in the UK bit or not. That's a really good question because that touches on a whole raft of things in that in that particular sweep. I think what I'm, what I'm taking that is what you're saying is there are folk that will have to suffer an inferior experience either because they're paying too much for what well, it might be a good experience, but it's too expensive, or they're just simply not getting value value for money. Yes, there will be an element of that, but I think that, that that probably would also apply when you when you go abroad in terms of when you when you start to evaluate the type of holiday that you've had. 
Um, so I think, again, it, it will be mixed because ultimately that poor experience will come through in, in reviews and feedback and, and, and so, so forth. Um, and, you know, you, I, I guess I'm in answering the question. I'm thinking about, say, Robin Hudson and the pigs, for example. Yeah. Those are but there's really, a you know, but there aren't there aren't five hundred pigs. They they, 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 um, they tick lots of boxes. They're local. The food source locally. People probably have a great time. You feel good. It's a great experience. It's run by a great team. You know, you, you're you're not going to have a bad experience at a pig. How, you, you might have to evaluate what you pay for that experience. But you know that that is very positive. But yeah, not every hotel stay will be pig like. If that's uh, the right, right, right. <laughs> no, it's exactly. If we're going to stick, stick with that analogy, but what I would say, Catherine, in terms, in terms of an investment, I mean, interesting to see what Blackstone did. Blackstone did with with Bourne. I mean, that's a huge investment, and that's a big sort of bet into the the UK staycation market and uh, into caravan parks and, and such like. And looking at that that staycation piece, looking at that sort of blending you know, the leisure, leisure and business and, and so forth. So I think, yes, there will be investment, but there'll be probably a lot of stuff out there that perhaps won't deserve to be invested in. Um, and, you know, you mentioned the point about under-demolished. I mean, I think there are things where for the evolution and health of the hotel sector, it probably would be helpful if, if certain types of product were able to be repurposed into perhaps another form of real estate use and allow other, other new entrants or established players to expand and flourish. I'd just like to point out at this point that we we did mention the pig on the last web um, podcast. Uh, we're not we're not sponsored by the pig, although if the pig does want to sponsor us, it's super easy to get in touch with us. Really, everyone knows us. Yeah, it's absolutely, and it and it saved what else what was otherwise a horrendous trip to Southampton for me. So that's why it was mentioned. Um, what about business travel? We touched on that um, and that evil word pleasure. Do, oh, what I does the, I know, sorry. Um what does the future of business travel look like? Um do you think, David? We did come up with another word, didn't we, for that whatever it was V V Corvac. Corvac? Corporate yes. vacations? Yes. Corvac. Sounds, Sounds like a procedure. Mm. <laughs> it is. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? You go, I'm on holiday, but I'm working. That sounds like a procedure. To I me, did hear another it? term, but I've gone and forgotten it. It was so memorable. Anyway, will there be a will there be a huge spate of corvacking, uh, <laughs> or, or will it be pure vac all the way? Um, prospects for business travel. Look, I think lots of commentators have, have, have passed past views on this. I mean, yes, it will come back. I think people want to travel. Um, people will want to capitalise on growth opportunities. You know, you need to meet. To I think to, to really start relationships and, and reinforce them and, and, and do deals, will it come back to the full extent it did before? I personally don't think it will. Um, um, so I think those that are saying it won't come back and business travel is forever sort of broken are wrong. And I think those that are saying that it's going to come back one hundred percent, I don't think are going to be completely right. Because um, I think people will be, I think will be more thoughtful about what they do and how they travel and whether that's leisure or business. I'll try to avoid saying pleasure again. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, I do, I do, uh, I think tend to agree with comments that people have made around people will perhaps travel less frequently, but they'll travel, travel for longer duration. Um, they will look to combine business and pleasure, perhaps members of their family or partners or other, other traveling companions will, will go with them. I think where the, I think the loss will come on those business trips that are seen as a chore, where there's a, a, an evaluation to be made. Could I achieve what I need to achieve 
via Zoom or do I need to subject myself to stay in that? You know, I don't want to go on that trip again and stay in that particular hotel unless I have to or whatever. And I think and, and Zoom and Teams and, and the other tech, I think, does give a viable option for certain types of meetings. Um, so I think it will be different. Um, you know, we're going to see hybrid meetings and we'll, and we'll see people, you know, more people zooming and, and, and so forth. So yeah, it will be different, but, but come back, it will, and come back strongly, I think in, in time. In, in terms of the whole pleasure Corvac bit, I'm sticking with it. Um, do you think that there'll be a move away during kind of posts or currently during this and then, and then more to people focusing more on, it being just a, a pure leisure holiday or pure leisure break, because what we've seen, you know, people burning out left, right and centre and lots of people trying to focus more on their work-life balance at the moment, you know, pretty much unsuccessfully while this all continues. But certainly people aspire to the idea of, you know what, I'm just going to go away and I'm not interested in, even if I can sort of semi-offset my expenses by saying, I'm also going to meet up with someone for a coffee. I'm just not interested in this whole, hey, we can all get so much done and our lives can be one seamless rapture of work. Uh, do you think there's going to be a, a, a place for leisure, <laughs> cheap cheap and unattractive though it is to the sector? No, absolutely. No, completely. And I think that's one of the challenges and opportunities for, for the sector, really. There's such a diverse range of, of travel and tourism requirements there's such a diverse range of of, of travelers as, as individuals you know some people want sanctuary and peace and you know mental nourishment and other people want to go and party hard in the most vibrant of locations i mean there's, there's very different needs and desires that one is trying to to fill so i'd say i would say yes to all of those things and are they are they attractive to investors because traditionally well you know it'd be better if we could get somebody in our conference room yeah well i think it, it, it's a difficult question to answer because there are so many facets to it. But what, what I was thinking about when you when you frame that question was, you know, it's very when you when you when you when you perhaps look at a traveller if they're in a suit carrying a case, then you kind of think they're there for business. Pretty unusual you'd wear that if you're kind of heading down to the beach. Other folk might be in you know shorts and t-shirt and sliders or whatever, and you think, well, they're they're there for leisure. But I think increasingly. Those boundaries have become blurred, and you can't actually take a visual cue as to what what someone is is doing. Uh, and the reason I'm going down that particular track, I think that creates both an opportunity and a challenge for hoteliers, because it's very important for the receiving hotel teams to try and read the customer correctly to understand what they're trying to do during their stay, because that person who might visually look as though they're there for leisure might actually be trying to do something quite important work-wise, so will need the functioning Wi-Fi, will perhaps need a quiet day or get something printed out, I don't know, whatever it might be. Um, in, the same, in the same way, the person in the suit might have done their business for the day and wants to really unwind and relax but doesn't have their kit with them. So, um, so the hotelier has to, has to respond to that and and get that right and 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 read and read that need and i think the difficulty will will come when you're trying if you're trying to be all things to all people the risk is that you then don't really satisfy any of them particularly well and um, i think we're seeing a lot of responses that are quite you know general and sometimes we'll, we'll do what you want our, our hotel can accommodate this accommodate that and, and maybe we do get to a point where actually these environments are very flexible and the systems we put in place, the training and the teams allow for all of that. But I think that it's it it will be a will be a challenge. Um, but yeah, to, I mean, to investors, I mean, what, what investors are driven by by earnings and and the prospect of growth and the 
sustainability of those earnings. And so if through whatever proposition you're putting out there, you're able to demonstrate that with your performance and benchmarking that you know, against your peers, that, that, that is what will drive investors, provided they can see growth, opportunity and, and exit. Mm. So you should treat people like people and not functions. Hmm. I mean, you did mention meeting rooms, which I think are <clears throat> particular. Do you like a meeting room? Yeah. Mm. And I think, you know, the meet- lots of people have talked about, you know, will meetings come back to the same extent? And I, I think, yes, they will come back, but I do worry about those meetings that were perhaps, you know, were they completely critical previously? Were they achieving the results of the organisation at the time in terms of the impact they were looking for? And again, be more thoughtful and creative as to what they do there might be hybrid events where you can involve more people um you know, participating remotely so i think yes some great meeting space will come back but if your meeting space isn't great and other facets of your hotel and that could be your location your offer or or whatever then that could be could be harder but people will still need to be trained they will still need to to meet um, but will it be to the same extent in all hotels? Probably not. But I suspect some hotels will still do very well from that business. And if only if only the hotels had, you know, something like data which told them why the people were there and that and then they could provide, you know, business your business person with the suit and the and the, and the case walking around, but knowing that he's extended or she has extended it by two or three days, it surely data plays a massive role in this. And we know, don't we, that hotels aren't lacking in data. They've got the information. They're lacking in the interpretation of it and, and bothering to understand through whatever, you know, whatever, whether that be staff limitation, you know, um, bandwidth, just trying to get to grips with why that person's there, what their purpose of stay is, therefore what um, amenities they need, what, what, activities they're interested in what how you can increase revenue through whether that be through an exercise class or through a bottle of wine it's i'll keep banging my purpose of stay drum till someone listens no completely i completely get that i think you know i I guess there's there's things one can do with with guest profiling um and and how how one achieves that but you know this is so sometimes in hotel keeping get the basics right and good things will happen And, and a lot of that comes down to the, the actual skills of, of the person on reception or behind the bar, the kind of visual cues and just reading that, that, that guest, you know, are they obviously, are they showing signs of obvious stress and being in, in a hurry and a sense of urgency? Because if, if they are, then trying to engage them in sort of, um, um, sort of peripheral banter isn't going to be particularly helpful. Whereas if you sense that they, they might be wearing their suit, let's say, but you do sense they actually want a bit of dialogue. They perhaps want a, a little bit of distraction, a, a momentary downtime. Well, that then you, you you read that you do have that chat. But I think you know it, if you can engage with guests, understand why they've chosen your hotel, what their process they went through. I mean, um, a client of mine has recently opened a hotel uh, in, in in the UK, and obviously it's, there's a lot of new new folk coming to that. Um, and what a wonderful opportunity there, and sort of license and excuse staff have to say, "Look, it's great to see you. You know, we've only been open a week. Tell me why. You know, how did you find us? What was your thought process?" I think generally people will will respond to that. Well, you know, I like it, whether it was the price or you know I've been waiting for something decent in this whatever it is, and then you will be able to learn and, and shape your offer accordingly. But I think your your staff are your eyes and ears. 
Absolutely. And, and um, you mentioned one of your clients, another uh, string to your bow is, um, which we'd love to hear about, because I think it talks to all these points that we've mentioned quite nicely in terms of understanding who the, who the guest is, really kind of hyper-local knowledge, um, is your advisory role with resident hotels. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing with them and their kind of, their purpose? Because it's, it, it plays into all these trends that we've just been talking about, doesn't it? Absolutely. And that's a really interesting business. Um, and, and the CEO there, David Orr, is, is someone I've known a very long time through my sort of uh, advisory work um, from, from the days when he was at, at City and we met probably well over 20, 20 years ago. So it's certainly exciting to be looking to help him and, and the business he's in, which, um, which is owned and supported by the, the McTaggart family partnership but what interests me with 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 resident these are you know relatively small hotels but in in high energy neighborhoods um and uh you know where where guests really are encouraged to go out and enjoy that neighborhood when and then when they're in the resident that is that is a sort of calming cocooning sort of enclave if you like where they they can unwind and, and not be so intense if they want to control their their environment to an extent they can utilize the kitchenette area in the rooms and, and there's table service for for kind of drinks and nibbles inside inside the hotel so um it's an attractive model because it's very rooms driven um and that has opportunities because you don't require many staff um and uh, but it does it does rely on being in in vibrant neighborhoods whether that's soho Covent Garden, for for example, um, and I'm there to look to try and help the team with with, with growth as they look to pursue opportunities and um, particularly around uh, management contracts as an operating structure. Um, and yeah, it's a small entrepreneurial business that I'm excited to to be be lending some support to. Exciting times, and um, we've got to 25 minutes of of pontificating and 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 you know thinking about we haven't really talked so we talked about our the uk approach to travel catherine are you having the similar challenges over there in europe land? <laughs> i was just i was just just about to, to to break in with uh with breaking news i can confirm for my roving reporter that all the airport is absolutely rammed um with people traveling around the place and the flight that they are on uh is full so uh people in europe land are traveling that around now that we have our little qr codes and our double vaccinations and all this sort of thing um so yes i will be participating in in travel to Cannes next week um and then the Dordogne the um a couple of weeks after that I can only apologize um <laughs> you have our sincere condolences <laughs> but uh but I will be I will be suffering hugely because I have to come to the UK next week um and I've just been vomiting all of my money into the nearest Tory donor for various tests and things so uh, there's still that horrific downside to be enjoyed <laughs> But can let's focus on can it beckons. Let's focus on can. Um, <laughs> or I won't need a test uh, to go because I live there, um, so that's fine. But uh, but yes, getting in and out of the UK continues to be an absolute nightmare. I was out and about on Friday night with some fellow Brits who were all sharing quarantine war stories, 
uh, people who have to travel frequently, how they do it, where they go, where they get their tests from, what's the best time of day to go, how many times have you phoned, how many knocks on the door did you have, was it a policeman, was it some random guy, was it someone you thought was the Amazon guy, did you have lots of people over for a party, did you get all the people out for a party before people turned up, yes, so on and so forth. So um, it's, a, it's a big deal. Everyone who I was sitting around the table in the pub with had been back to the UK at some point in the previous month and had found it both horrendous and expensive. Um, so we are all, everyone's still wondering when this will change <clears throat> because at the moment there seems to be a feeling that, well, it's the summer. And so big companies aren't really approaching their international travel policies as yet. They're just thinking, let's just go on holiday. Maybe things will have changed by September. Maybe the UK government will appreciate that need for business travel to get moving again in September. Maybe it won't. Um, maybe some third thing will have happened, which of course has been so popular in the last uh, more than a year. Something else will have happened and that will change it. But in the, the moment, I think that it's it's tricky, isn't it? Because everyone wants to be safe. But um, And we absolutely have to prioritise that. I know there's lots of feeling at the moment that, well, you know, we just need to get back to normal now. But really, that hasn't changed, that need for everyone to be safe. Um, you just have to, it's just harder to suck it up because it seems like it's a bit, a bit boring. Um, people are bored and they want to get back to it and they're saying, well, we're just going to have to live with it. Um, but that's not sustainable if you're running out of oxygen and hospital beds and all that kind of thing, which obviously is what everyone wants to avoid. But everyone is more vaccinated now. Um, everyone I know over here is now double vaccinated. The French have been really putting their foot down as far as that goes. Got plenty of Pfizer to go around. You can walk in off the street and get it if you want it. Um, and so everyone is double vaccinated and it seems unreasonable that that doesn't lend itself um, to freedom of movement, um, which I know is a popular phrase that doesn't get used much in the UK these days. Um, and you would think that if you are on business, um, you would need to get in and out of Europe. I know lots of companies have, have opened offices in Europe to deal with exactly that. Um, but you do get the feeling that lots of people who are in London at the moment would welcome the opportunity to be able to pop over to Amsterdam or Frankfurt or anywhere else that they're doing deals. Everyone's going to Spain, as we know at the moment, to buy all the hotels there. But it's just difficult, isn't it? <laughs> so uh, I think we'll, we'll see the UK government, is, as we've seen, is determined to keep everyone in the UK this summer. Um, and they are, will do, it seems, because this whole rumour about double vaccination movement is late August um, at best. And I think that's really, without wishing to cast aspersions on your fluffy head leader, he is a big fat liar. And it's more than likely that he said that to get everyone off his back. Um, so, so I don't think anyone's, no one I know is banking on that and booking to come over to the UK at the end of August. So, um, so yes, the question remains to go back to business travel. Um, business travel has to restart in and out of Europe, um, for the UK. We all know people who are in and out of Europe all the time, um, who aren't at the moment. And the longer that goes on, the less people, I think the most striking thing, and I'll come to the end of my monologue in a moment, but the, <laughs> The most striking thing about this is the way that a lot of people that I speak to in the sector seem to have forgotten that you can travel to Europe. So people say, oh, I'd really like to go to Italy and look at these hotels, or I'd really like to go to here and, and do this, or I'd really like to go to Amsterdam and meet up with this guy, but you know, I can't. You're like, well, no, you can. Um, you absolutely can. It's not, you know, Europe's not stopping you going in. There are things, you boxes you have to tick, but that's the level of it. You can go, oh, I don't know, but it's the coming back, isn't it? It's the 14 days of quarantine. Wasn't there, isn't there a desire, though, to make Brits quarantine? No, 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 no. So we have a quarantine. Yeah, no, so you're not going to Germany. Yeah, no, 
no, there's no going to Germany for for um, for the Brits at the moment. Um, Merkel's very suspicious, and rightly so because your numbers are absolutely appalling. Um, but um, and no, we don't want that over here. It's a nightmare. But um, the quarantine in France, um, you get two hours off in the morning um, between ten and twelve to go and have your coffee and croissant and all the rest of it. Civilized, um, isn't it? Of course. Um, and it's not. Um, it wasn't at this point. She says. Touchwood. It's not policed in the same way that the, it's you not on your business. You have the quarantine. You have to have your business meeting between what eleven between, and twelve. Between, between ten and twelve. Yes, that would be that would be fine. But then you know it's not a hundred percent. It's a it's an on your honour quarantine. Um, and if you're double vaccinated, there is no quarantine. So ah okay. Yes. So they are. Is if you're double vaccinated, and there's a very complicated table that tells you all this on the on the Paris Embassy website. Um, but if you're double vaccinated, you are welcome in France. Oh, wonderful! I'll be mm. over you next week, then, Catherine. Yeah, I was going to say That'd be nice. I'll be over in a couple of weeks. <laughs> yes. Coffee and croissant at ten o'clock. Mm. Yes, and then all the way to twelve. Being of my particular vintage, I have my double jabber. Yeah, quite a while. Welcome. Yes, they don't have a problem with that because they can see the sense. Hmm. And there's like stacks of Americans here at the moment to prove it. <laughs> Ta-da! Yeah, they're all back. <laughs> Lucky you. Um, as we conclude the uh, the lesson for today, David, we ask all our guests, all twenty two of them, um, some uh, the same questions. It's quite interesting actually listening to responses, and and some of them are very similar, and some of them are not so much. So, can we run these questions past your good self, please? Well, go on. I'll try. I'll try and do my best. Okay. So you, when the shutters are up and I've had the jabs in my arm, the first thing I'm going to do is... Well, I think a pub crawl's got to be... <laughs> I, I, actually, no, I mean, a, a beer sampling expedition would be... That's uh, so civilised. That makes it sound like a cultural yeah. event. I think going into some good good pubs around the area and into London and those sort of high-intensity environments where you might have been reticent to go or prevented from going, that's what I'd like to do, and sort of be amongst people and see people thronging London very that's people, very civilized. I don't know if that's, that's typical with others that have said anything, um, but uh, there's generally there's been quite a lot of going out. Yes, going out, eating, drinking. Some some are sort of markedly going out with their other halves, and some are markedly going out without their other halves. And we sort of we we've left to speculate how the ones that have said they're going out without their other halves, how that sort of played out when when it's been listened back to. But we I, haven't I've done a, we haven't done an update. Um, so wise, you are a wise man. Um, the best thing about the hotel sector is oh, now how long have we got left? There's so many, there's so many wonderful things about the hotel sector it's diversity, it's energy, it's creativity, it's innovation, it's some fantastic people and leaders in it. It's, I know, it's wonderful things. I mean, I think the fact that you can join it at the low ranks and work your way up to the top and run really kind of serious businesses, multi-millions of pounds and lots of people as great opportunity. I think there's, there's too many, too many to list. And it's such a tragedy that it's had such a tough time. I mean, in the absolute teeth of this appalling, you know, appalling situation the world's gone through. But no, I mean, uh, I'm, a, I'm a fan. I'm a huge fan. Uh, but for me, it's, it's, the, it's the diversity, the innovation and, you know, the, the, yeah, the, when you think of the, the plethora and range of hotels that are out there around the world. I just think fantastic. It is a tremendous place to work. It's a great, it's a, and, and you know what, generally it's got decent people in it. It's people that are, they want to be hospitable and that is good. Quite right too. The hotel sector would be significantly improved if. 
Ah. In fact, if all those people that weren't committed to good hospitality <laughs> weren't in it. They could shut off. It would be a natural <laughs> follow-on follow on from that. Um, the hotel sector would be significantly improved if, well, I suppose if all hotels were wonderful and gave exemplary experiences and returns for their investors, that would be the, the, the holy grail. I guess the industry could, could be helped if there's probably inevitably a fair bit of stock out there that, just over time as perhaps its location has become outmoded or its offer has become outmoded and it may well be better served being something else. Could that be residential? Could it be care-related? Um, could it be some other other use? And I think you know, if one could have a scrappage scheme for, for those hotels to <laughs> facilitate that transition, that could be helpful and good, good, for, good for the hotel DNA to allow those new entrepreneurs to grow and thrive and those established players to to to, to further grow, but um, Ooh, uh, so, no, well, of course, you know, it would be significant proof if there was a you know, a good supply of of, of 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 workers for the sector. But, well, um, yes, maybe quite. that's not the question you've got for me. I don't know. Well, yeah, we. <laughs> what's your next question we need another 45 minutes to talk about. Uh, well, maybe this is it. What the industry needs now is. Oh, I think. I think one of the one of the good things through the pandemic is the voice of hospitality, I think, is much louder and coherent than it was previously. And I think Kate Nichols has done a fantastic job in, in the UK. Um, you know, it would have been great if we had that strength of voice and coherence perhaps before the pandemic rather than trying to get that strength of voice in the pandemic. But I think the the stock of hospitality will will have risen considerably. And I think when we come out when we see just how hospitality is able to respond and provide that sort of economic growth and employment, et cetera, I think its stock will be further raised. So um, I think I'm forgetting the question now. Is what the what? industry needs now is. Yeah, so right, so yeah, there we go. There we go. Reason because I think what we need is we need to maintain that momentum and focus so that um, the sector gets the attention within government that it deserves but then linked to that, and I think a, a, a very pertinent issue, there's clearly a payroll crisis generally in hospitality. And there's a whole variety of reasons. As you say, we probably need you know, a, a long time to, to go into that. But I think what we do need, and again, going back to UK hospitality, it's great to see things like these 12-point plans that are being put in place as to how we can improve the prospectus of the sector to school leavers, to students, to people perhaps returning to work. So I think that's where the challenge lies. And I think, you know, there's, there's a Brexit element to that and, and, and so forth. As, as, as employers are forced to look at their payroll requirements, the levels of pay, the prospects they have, there's the hotelier charter that you know, Sally Becker started, all this kind of stuff I think is absolutely fantastic. You know, we perhaps have got used to having a ready supply of, of cheap labour. That's not going to be the case. I think right now what's interesting and quite a challenge is on the one hand, you open up the papers and you, you see there aren't enough chefs or receptionists. Hospitality businesses are cancelling lunch service. I've got enough staff, whatever, you know, all of this. And yet at the same time, I think I read something yesterday, I think it was JP Morgan saying there's going to be, you know, something like a 250,000 increase in unemployment as people come off furlough. I think we are going to go through quite an interesting transition. And because the entire sector is rebooting and reopening, something that's never happened before, it's tricky enough opening a hotel in isolation, not let alone the whole sector. So I think we will see some some pain, but we will see some evening out 
and settlement, as we will on all the things we've talked about, you know, business travel coming back and things like that. So, so I think what we do need, so try, sorry, I mean, to get sort of back to that question, we do need to have a really coherent, uh, energetic push to the wonderful prospects the sector can offer. And it also means the industry needs to, is challenged itself to offer that. And it can't just be perceived as being way too much hard work for far too little pay. And there are some great businesses out there that deserve to, to, to recruit the talent that they need. And people that aren't really playing to that are doing a disservice ultimately to the sector because people are absolutely key. And we talked about the pigs, didn't we, earlier? And we're not sponsored, as you said, by, by the pigs. Yes, yeah, yes, David, yes. On a, on a <laughs> webinar, I heard Robin Hudson say, and it just stuck with me. He said, look, it's really quite straightforward. I think he, I think he said, invest in your product, look after your people, and profit will follow. And I think if we all did that, then everyone will be happy. The people working there will be happy, the guests will be happy, and the investors will be happy. Right, let's do that then. <laughs> you can spearhead I'll just, that I'll campaign. Just, I'll, I'll just get down the back of the sofa for that cash. <laughs> Uh, but absolutely I couldn't agree more um okay and the final question is I'd like to think we've learnt from this and that is a question not a statement just to be clear I'd like to think we've learned from this too is <laughs> <laughs> there something a, a, a what there <laughs> <laughs> do you what do you think the main learnings a main one of the main learnings is well we're going to be learning lessons from this for a very long time and I think you know, this has challenged the sector in ways previous recessions haven't. I mean, historically, oversimplifying, we, we haven't traditionally had to worry about London. You know, London tended to have better recessions than the provinces because of its, you know, a whole range of factors. Well, that's been turned on its head. You know, we've seen resort hotels being the focus of investor interest and performance, whereas in the past they were perhaps seen as the problem childs, if you like, the more with the more difficult and uncertain Prospects. So I think what we've learned is the, the different shapes and ways the industry can can not only respond to opportunity, but equally can be challenged by adversity. Um, and I think what we have learned is that hospitality is really important. It fulfills many of the most basic human requirements to, to meet, share time together, whether those be joyous times or sad times, but we need to be together. And I think hospitality provides a wonderful platform. I think perhaps those of us that are in it, we've been convinced of that anyway. And I think those of those of society that perhaps haven't thought that deeply about hospitality, well, I think have thought a lot more about it. And coming back to the efforts of, of Kate Nichols and others, I think the awareness of hospitality will be better. And I think it will help the country and other countries get back on their feet. People want to travel and it'll play a key part in that and enjoy you know it, it's it's growth prospects that still that still endure absolutely david you are brilliant thank you so much for joining <laughs> us and wise words i think we should just make you could just be the minister for hospitality if you fancy that you add that to your yeah because i don't want to be minister for anything at the moment uh, <laughs> we almost went the whole time i know i couldn't resist we almost went the whole time <laughs> i just how did he have time how did he have time it's i can question this is the question <laughs> Are we still recording? <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> right, let's um, let's 
once again, David, thank well, you. No, no, it is. Go it on. is. She's going, going there. She's going there. It is. It is a relevant hospitality question because under normal circumstances, when your Tory minister wanted to get himself into a sex scandal, a hospitality venue would That's be involved true. and, and then, would benefit. Yes. And would benefit. There'd but be now, a bit of PR around it. It's the office. It's <laughs> the office. This is not appropriate. This is how. You see, he's not going to come back as hospitality minister, is he? And that yeah, that's not supportive. This is true. This not is supportive. <laughs> you know, everyone else, dodgy hotel. Ah, and therein concludes. I reckon support the sector, little Matt Hancock. <laughs> <laughs> David, thank you. Let's start every Monday with a chat with you, please. It's been it's been delightful. Good luck with everything. Um, stay in touch, and 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 one day, someday soon, maybe we will meet in a in a hotel somewhere with a in a in a meeting space doing pleasuring i don't know well <laughs> wonderful thank you for inviting me and the drinks are on me when we do that yay oh. no tip still recording everyone heard that <laughs> cheerio <laughs> bye 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 So that concludes our thoughts for this week. Thank you to everyone involved in creating this episode and providing something for your ears whilst walking the dog, washing the cat, chopping the veg, or however else you pass the time while podcasting. Please do review and subscribe if you get your ear entertainment via Apple or follow new tricks if your ear delight comes from Spotify. These things make a difference, apparently. Until next time.